investing in property makes sense. Investing in the right property takes knowledge. Welcome to the Rewarding Property Decisions podcast. I'm Jared McCabe, Director of Wakeland Property Advisory. Join me for expert insights into the fundamentals, trends and opportunities to help you create long-term wealth through smart property decisions. Hi everyone and welcome to episode 42 of the Rewarding Property Decisions podcast. So a regular question that myself and the other advisors in the office quite often get asked is, should I buy my home first or should I go down the investment property path? And usually, hopefully, for the for the smart property buyer, it's early on in their uh, in their property journey. So um, they're obviously putting some thought into the planning, which is a good thing. Um, so the question is, obviously, should we go down the rent vest path, which is the uh, the common lingo that's come into, into vogue over the last five years, or go down the path of having the stability of owning my own home? Now, what our advice typically is, is this is not just a property decision, it's very much a financial decision. Um, and so you need to get some very clear insight, need to have someone advising you with the understanding of your circumstances and, and what you should or shouldn't do and what will work for you. So I thought today we'd get in um, an expert, someone that many of you will know, um, who I've done a number of webinars with over time, and that's Stuart Weems. Welcome, Stuart. Hey, Jared. Great to be with you. So Stuart, just to give some background for those that don't know him, um, has well over 20 years worth of experience within the financial services industry. He founded his business, ProSolution Private Clients, back in 2002. He's a chartered accountant and has got a couple of very successful podcasts known as uh, Investopoly and The Holistic Accountant. So if you are looking at or needing any form of um, insight into the financial market and, and decisions around that, I strongly suggest you listen to both of those podcasts. So, Stuart, um, I'm sure this is a question that you get asked quite regularly as well. It, it, I mean, it is. And, uh, you know, I don't want to make a, a difficult question even more difficult, but I, I've got to say, I think the first property, probably the most important property you'll ever buy in your life. Um, and uh, I guess that just puts the heat on people even more to make the right decision. But the, yep. the reason I say that is that if you, if you do that well, if you make that first decision and that decision works out well for you financially it really does sort of leapfrog future financial decisions and capability as well whereas the reverse if you completely mess it up uh, and end up losing money for example well that that just ends up being you know quite a costly exercise and puts you a bit behind the eight ball yeah all right so what are some of the considerations that that you usually work through with your clients when uh, when this scenario comes forward I think the first, the overarching sort of counsel I would give to people is if they're considering buying an investment property or a home, irrespectively, try and take an investment lens towards that decision. Yeah, good idea. Um, and, you, you know, if, if we're buying a home, I appreciate there's some lifestyle considerations and elements, but but I find, you know, typically a an investment grade property by definition has to have relatively wide appeal um, and good livability and amenities and so forth. So quite often the things that we are looking for ourselves in our home are, are, are similar to the attributes that were that make a, a good quality investment property as well. But if we can prioritise, you know, the, the investment returns from that asset, even if we are looking at it as our own occupied property, that's going to put us in good stead. And, the, you know, particularly if it's a home, what I'm really referring to is its ability to provide you with good capital growth. Um, and I find particularly, you know, if you're a first home buyer, younger people, they might be attracted to the shiny and the new. 
um, you know, for example, if we're comparing a, I don't know, a mid-century apartment with a brand new apartment, for example, yep. uh, the, the brand new apartment is going to look shiny and new. It's going to have all the marketing, you know, it's going to have the gym and this and that in terms of amenities in the, the building. And that can that can be enticing for a particularly for a first home buyer and particularly for an own occupier. But, you know, we both know that those types of properties really make good don't make good investments and the capital growth from those assets just isn't going to be there compared to you know a, a mid-century apartment okay it looks a bit tired it might be a little bit dated it might need a little bit of love and a little bit of work but the underlying land value component in those assets will do most of the heavy lifting in terms of future capital growth and it gives you scope as well to actually not just rely on the market driving the growth you talk about um needing to be able to add value yourself at different points. If you're buying something that's, whether it's off the plan or whether it's just very, very new, it, particularly with an apartment, it's not you, it cannot be any better than what it is at that point in time. So the only thing that can happen is, and particularly with the more modern ones in the larger developments, the bulk of the value is in the improvements and the bulk of that value is depreciating in value. Yeah, that's right. And I guess what people need to need to do is make some compromises, perhaps, you know, that they might love that brand new apartment, and it might be nice to, you know, live in something that no, no one's ever lived in before. Um, but nothing's for nothing. There's always there's no such as a free thing as a free lunch, there's always a cost to something and a reward to something else. So, you know, um, lowering our ego a little bit, maybe occupying an older style apartment um, might feel like compromise from a livability perspective, and it, and it could very well be, um, but it's a, it's, a, it's a good investment in your future. Viewing it more as a stepping stone rather than the, uh, the end, end price. Yeah, exactly right. And look, that, that kind of leads me into the next observation, which is uh, really the sooner you buy an owner-occupier property, the, the better off you will be in the long run. And the reason for that is typically we can't outsave the market. So if a, if a home, you know, if, if, we, if we desire to live in a home in a particular location um, and it costs X today, we, we know in 10 years' time, likelihood is it's going to cost a lot more than what it costs today. And in 20 years' time, the same is true. So the, the sooner we can get into that market, it means the less we need to borrow from a non-tax deductible perspective, so our home loan, of course, uh, and, and that ha has compounding benefits. So that's the, one of the problems with rent investing is that in my experience, at some point, everyone wants to occupy their own home. It, it's, it's more of a question when, not if. Yep. And so I'm always very cautious when people say, oh, no, we're quite happy to continue to rent. I just know every client in the last 20 years turned around to me at some point and said, okay, now we're ready. Um, despite no, despite they might have had very strong feelings about not, not wanting to live in their own property that they own. Um, uh, so we've just got to think about that as well in the back of our mind is that the sooner we can get into the market where we ultimately want to live longer term, um, the better off we'll be. Now, you might not be able to do that in just one step. You know, that might not be a first home purchase, but I guess it goes to, you know, what we just talked about in terms of trying to make that first uh, purchase, whether it's a home or investment, yep. uh, as astutely as possible, and that might help you leapfrog 
you know, sooner rather than later into that desired location. Yeah, okay. So, and I guess part of that to, is that is the affordability side of things and that's probably the, the next point or another consideration mm. for us to make is sometimes people do find it more affordable to potentially buy an investment property um, around the rental income and things as well that's being generated. Yeah, that's right. And, and even borrowing capacity, I mean, particularly with you know, the recent rate hikes that the RBA has pushed through over the last uh, six or so months, you know, it's really had a big impact on dampening uh, borrowing capacity. So I, I guess there's two elements to that is how much can I borrow and how much should I borrow? Um, and so if we speak to how much uh, can I borrow, that's obviously dictated by the banks and their credit policies and so forth. And the ability, you know, the advantage of applying for an investment loan rather than a home loan is that they can include the prospective rental income that you're going to um, enjoy from the property uh, and also uh, any tax benefits, negative gearing tax benefits that might arise. So typically, um, holding everything else equal, uh, a person's borrowing capacity is going to be higher if it's uh, for investment purposes than if it is for home purposes. Um, so that's going to determine someone's borrowing capacity. And, and then the second element is really about your own personal cash flow. Um, so if you're still living at home or you're living in a shared house and, and your your rental expense is, you know, maybe nil if you're living at home or, or very small if uh, you're living in a shared house, then you might be actually better off um, using that first property as an investment property from a cash flow perspective because you might end up generating more uh, rental income than what you need to pay for your own uh, sort of living circumstances. Okay, yeah, that's good advice. All right, what's um, what's some other considerations that you've um, that you've thought of? Uh, well, there's, um, I mean, depending on the type of property and where you're buying and um, and what your budget is, there could be some grants or stamp duty concessions uh, that are available to homeowners not investors and sometimes if you don't use them uh, those concessions for your first purchase that they can disappear like if you've owned a property before you um, as an investment property and then you go and buy a home you know you might not be eligible for them so uh, to utilize them you know if, if, if it's available and you can utilize it that might be a consideration as well um, particularly the stamp duty concessions because I find that really eats into, yep. you know, normally if you're a first home buyer or first investment property buyer, you know, you, that, that's where you're really struggling typically on the deposit side. Um, so that can, that can be really helpful. Um, and I think just having a good long-term plan, so thinking beyond this first purchase, I mean, it's very difficult and I find the older we get, the, the longer we tend to plan. When we're younger, we, we tend to be quite short-sighted uh, more often and it probably should be the reverse, uh, really. Mm. But um, but if we can, and I know conceptually, particularly if you're in your 20s, it's it's hard to think sort of 10 years out, where am I going to be and uh, where, you know, where, what am I aiming at? But if you can have a, a broader view on that, then, then it might put this purchase in context. Yep. For, so, for example, you know, it's not, not always possible for people just to go and buy their forever home as the first purchase. Maybe they've got to trade up a, a couple of times to get to that level. But if you, you really understand where you're heading, then you can try and do the best you can do um, with respect to this purchase in context of those longer term goals. So I guess what that really means is sometimes that means really prioritising the 
the financial implications of purchase or the financial benefits that are resulting from the first purchase rather than any other lifestyle or or personal tastes or considerations um, and doing that will you know will will help you in the future whether it's buying a, a large family home one day or continuing to invest or uh, and so forth yeah great all right. So, what's some of the, the, the what's the best approach? Do you think in terms of people working through this? And we obviously understand that there's no one size fits all with anything uh, around property or financial advice. But some of the things that you you typically work through. Um, yep. Going once you've uh, once you've sort of once someone comes to you with this. Well, you know, when when we're sitting back and working out should I buy a home first or should I buy an investment property, a lot of people think about the tax considerations associated with those two options. So, you know, if I go and buy a home and live in it, I don't have to pay capital gains tax because I can take advantage of the main residence exemption. But if it's an, if it's an investment property, I do have to pay capital gains tax. Whereas the reverse is if it's a home, you know, I can't deduct the interest as a tax deduction, where if it's an investment property, I can. And so they end up sort of chasing their tail around uh, in terms of which one's going to be better for me. Yep. Uh, the answer is um, is that they, they, there's a number of considerations and mostly they net each other out. The only um, exceptions to that are, are two. And the first one is that um, you really have to compare your rent expense versus your rental income. Okay. So, for example, if I'm living at home and I'm not paying any board, I mean, my parents charge me board, so that never happened. But if, <laughs> if, 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 if they were much nicer to me and they didn't charge me board... Um, and I could go and rent my property, you know, an investment property that went and bought for $450 a week, then I'd actually be better off cash flow wise doing exactly that, treating it as an investment property uh, and continuing to live at home. However, if I was living out of home and my rent was costing me $700 a week and I could go and buy a, a property and that would otherwise rent out for $450 a week, so a lot less, then I'd actually be better off occupying that property. So that's the first uh, uh, consideration about um, home versus investment. And the second one, which I think is the most important one, is does it meet investment grade? Is it an otherwise good investment? Yep. So, for example, if I've got a client and they said, I'd like to buy this property, but it's a, it's a dud property, they would be much better off going and buying investment. And then go and rent where you want to live. You're not going to yep. live in a brand new apartment. <laughs> go and rent that, yep. but then put your money somewhere else. Um, and so that's why I sort of talk about um, taking an investment lens to that decision um, and that will then sort of filter out, you know, the lifestyle considerations. Now, one of the, the there's, a, there's um, a, a bit of a trick in the uh, main residence exemption with respect to, to capital gains tax. Um, because obviously, if we go and buy a home, most people are aware that you don't pay capital gains tax. So any gain that you make uh, from from holding that property and eventually selling it is tax free. And of course, there's not too many things in life that are tax free. No. Now there's a there's an ex there's a um, uh, an additional rule that says that if you move out of your home that it, that was your main residence. Um, and don't claim another main residence, you can have up to six years to continue to claim the tax-free status of that property. So to give you an example, if I went and, and bought a home 
and then I decide I'm going to go and work in London and I put a tenant in my property and, and spent three years in London working as an expat and then I return to Australia and reoccupy that property. Because I've only been absent for three years, less than the six-year rule, um, I can continue to claim the main residence exemption for the full period of ownership, right. so no capital gains tax. Okay. So sometimes it can work really well for first-time investors where they go and buy a property, they go and occupy that property as their main residence for a period of time. Is there and a then they time that they have to occupy it for up front? There's nothing, there's nothing in the legislation that says it has to be three months or six months. The, the, the onus is on the taxpayer to, have, to be able to prove that they were actually living there. And the things that the ATO is going to look for are changes to electoral roll, yep. um, uh, utility bills, and actual usage of utilities. You know, so you, so really go and occupy the property, use the water, use electricity. You know, have the phone connected. Well, most people don't have a phone, but internet connected. Those sorts of things, and and keep that documentation. Okay, uh, I would say six months is good, but anyway, you're probably not going to do it for any less than that anyway, are you? I mean, otherwise it's no, more hassle than no, it's worth. Yeah, exactly right. And you could potentially make some improvements to the property yep. uh, while you're in there. Um, and then if you um, go and rent that property out after that period of time and then move back home or go into your shared house, you know, as long as you don't go and buy another property, um, you can continue to claim your main residence exemption. Now, as long as you, you then have the choice to either sell that property before that six years is up or reoccupy the property. If you reoccupy the property as your main residence, the six years start again. So it can be a really good rule to take advantage of for um, particularly first-time investors to go and buy a really good quality investment property, um, uh, take advantage of the main residence exemption, put a tenant in it so that helps with your cash flow, it gives you negative gearing tax benefits as well, but it's all tax-free capital growth. And as a, as a starting point, it can be a really great tool or, or trick or advantage uh, to really maximising your net worth as a result of this one purchase that can really leapfrog your ability to continue that, either build wealth through property investment or buy a home or whatever it might be. Yeah, that's great. Okay. Well, I think that's given us a, some really good insight, answers some, some, a lot of questions. But it, as, as we said, it, it does require you to do homework, due diligence and, and work through a number of different questions to, to determine which is going to be the best approach for you. And it, as we said, it's not a one size fits all. Sometimes you are better yep. off buying the investment property first. Other times it'll be the home. I think for most people, the goal will, as you said, Stuart, will be to eventually own your own home, particularly once you get to retirement, that sort of thing, so that you're not necessarily having to pay off, pay rent or, or pay down a loan. Yeah, exactly right. At some point, everyone wants to own their own home. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much, everyone, for uh, joining us for episode 42 of the Rewarding Property Decisions podcast. As I've been saying over the last couple of episodes, we have got our question and opinion podcast coming up. So please keep sending the uh, the questions through to podcast at wakeland.com.au. Otherwise, feel free to share the podcast far and wide. And if you've got any um, or require any further information, please check out the website wakeland.com.au. Otherwise, we wish you all the best with your property decisions. Thanks very much for joining us, Stuart. Thanks, Jared. It's been fun.